Welcome to RHP Market Talk. I'm Natalie Pika. And I'm Glenn Royal. And together with Michelle Jones, we're the founding partners of Royal Harbor Partners Wealth Management. We have a lot of ground to cover today, but first, I'd like to say thank you, Glenn, for your service as we're recording today on Veterans Day. All I have to say to that is go Navy. <laughs> yes, for any of our listeners that don't know, uh, Glenn is a Navy veteran and we're just very grateful for his service. and. Um, his experience in the Navy has brought a lot to RHP. A little so. salty language, maybe. I'm not sure otherwise. <laughs> Occasionally. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, so today we're talking about the traditional 60-40 balance portfolio and the potential risks associated with this very, very common strategy. Um, Goldman Sachs recently put out a really great research piece on this topic. And what we know is the monetary and fiscal policy response to the COVID-19 crisis has allowed for an amazingly sharp recovery in economies and markets. But we believe this could have a long-lasting implication for both the 60-40 return and portfolio risk overall. And so that's kind of where we want to want to go today. I know everybody else is talking about it, and, and sometimes we like to pick up these topics and talk about them also. Um, I'm just going to kick it off with this question. Why is the 60-40 balanced portfolio such a common strategy? seems everyone has a 60-40 traditional, right? That's what you hear out there. And we also are a planning-based practice, so a lot of our clients are in balanced portfolios. Why do we talk about 60-40s? Well, Natalie, it's, it's a good question. Thank you for asking that. The, the 60-40 portfolio, also known as the balanced portfolio, all we're simply saying is 60% stocks, 40% bonds. A balanced portfolio and our uh, wheel of investment choices we have three varieties of that you know 60 40 and then 70 30 and, and an inversion of 60 right. 40 right. Uh, bonds of stocks um, what the reason why I think this has worked so well is if, if I go back uh, 40 years now the 10-year Treasury uh, in September 30th of 1981 was yielding 15.84 four <laughs> percent. Wow. Exactly. And since that time, what's helped the balance portfolio out, the 60-40 so well, is you've had good economic growth, the benefit equities. At the same time, you've had this secular decline in interest rates. So we've seen interest rates go from 15.8% 40 years ago to 1.55% today on the 10-year Treasury. That's been the fuel to lift this bond market where we've had extraordinary returns this last four decades. Right. And not to get too elementary, but wanting to make sure that the, all of our listeners understand when we talk about where those interest rates were at 15.84 and the correlation of interest rates to bond values. So when we say we're in a bear market in bonds or fixed income, what that means is as the interest rates come down, the value of those bonds actually goes up. Right. But we're now in an opposite situation, right? Interest rates are going to go up. Those bond values are going to go down. So that 60-40 portfolio, that 40% of the fixed income or the bonds was supposedly your more conservative, less risky piece of your portfolio. 
that may not be the case going forward. Yeah, that's something we've shared. Our concern is that the the safest part of your portfolio is is your bond portfolio, and that may not be the case right now because of a situation where interest rates are at zero. You've got an economy that's recovering with all the central bank stimulus, right. and that starts to put pressure on rates going higher. And remember, I use the picture. I want everyone to do this right now in your mind. We're on radio here. I get that. But I want you to put your <laughs> arms out by your side and when and do the inverse. It's like a seesaw. Yep. When bond prices go down, yields go up, right. and when yields go down, bond prices go up. So get that in context. We think of bonds mainly generally about the income they provide. Exactly. But right. there is a price action as well. Right. So with the research that we're reading, what what we're seeing in that 60-40, again, I'll go back to the planning side, right? We talk about figuring out for a client what their goal is and what their risk profile is. And generally speaking, somewhere in that balanced portfolio, we know we've got to, we're going to take this much risk for return. We're going to offset that with some conservative piece. But in the research we're seeing, is it is there a potential to lose your balance between stagnation and inflation in this 60-40 portfolio? What does that mean? Yeah, so stagflation is something that's entered the press lately. I've seen more. Pro- we do. We have the ability to track terms when they hint the press mm. and see the spike in them. Yeah. And stagflation just hit the last month or so. It's all over the map. First of all, I don't think we're currently in a stagflationary environment. Okay. All that simply implies is that you have slowing earnings growth, slowing growth in the economy, stagnant growth, which is generally where we've been the last decade, about 1.8% GDP growth. You get two or less, that's kind of stagnant growth. It's not enough to increase our real standard of living wages, that sort of thing. So you have stagnation, then you top on inflation. And that's what we had back in the early 70s. We had this period of high inflation with stagnant economic growth coming off of the booms of World War II mm-hmm. in the 50s and the 60s that we saw. So that's that's a fear out there. That's obviously not a good investment uh, environment to walk into. Right. Uh, so that, that's being bandied about. But I want to point out right now, this in in 21 because of the effects of, of central banks pushing so much stimulus in the system yep. our growth rate is is coming right at 6% this year again that's 1.8 was the average prior to the pandemic mm-hmm. if i next year i'm looking for that growth rate to still come in at 4% we still have a very strong economy which counters that argument about the stagnant economy and the stagflation. We are seeing inflationary pressures, but we still see good growth in the economy, wage gains, things of that nature that are able to offset that growth. That's a great point. I guess the question comes back to, because I know we just had an inflation print that came in really hot, right? Is it transitory? That's a whole other term that just keeps hitting the press. Transitory, transitory, transitory. Is it transitory? Boy, if anybody can define that for me, what that means, that'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) No one really quite knows. Um, You know, and that's part of the issue with the 60-40 that that comes into this balanced portfolio is, is we're in a situation where central bankers are holding down the federal funds rate. They're holding down short-term rates, monetary policy, mm-hmm. making it easy. Financial conditions are very, very easy, right. which has fled into the equity markets and risk assets, had this big boom. Um, I, I, 
what we're seeing there, which is very interesting, and it's got us a little, it's, a, it's, a, it's an odd occurrence, but the federal funds rate, if I take today's federal fund rate, which is in a range of zero to a quarter of a percent, and I subtract that 6% inflation, I have a federal funds rate that's a negative real rate mm-hmm. at 6%, we've never negative 6%. We've seen that. You've got to go back to the 70s. Yep. early 70s. So the market is picking up on these things underlying. And and, and, and one thing I want to really impress about the 60-40, the risk that we see is that with the, this uh, Fed that's artificially pressing things down, as they start to come off of low rates and start to normalize the process, they're being forced because of the inflation hand, right, at 6%. Mm-hmm. That uh, that has the when we when we start with the basis of a ten-year Treasury paying one point four, I have a very low yield cushion for bonds to give me the traditional offset yep. to risk that stocks had. Exactly. If I go back to two thousand eight in the sixty forty portfolio, my yield was four you percent. Know, today it's one point four. So I don't have the cushion of, of higher interest payments to come in. Mm-hmm. That has us concern going forward. It, it has to do with the growth and the inflation mix in the economy. So right now we've got strong growth, strong inflation. You expect the Fed that's going to start to eventually you know, stop refilling the punch bowl, as I like to say. They're going to tone the party down by starting to raise rates. Uh, that has some pressures just naturally that we're going to see in the bond market. Right. Rates are going to go up. Uh, so we're not getting a yield, again, to offset that fixed income. And that's the concerns that's really going on all over Wall Street. The big question is, you know, I'm looking at, at GDP growth to go from 6 and then I see it going down to 4 next year in 2022, consensus estimates. And then in 23, it's back to 24 so a lot of what we're having right now is it's the consequences of the Delta wave that came on COVID. That bled into logistics, that bled into uh, labor. And these weren't things that economists uh, were forecasting uh, when we didn't know about the Delta wave when this first came upon us. Right. So my question that I have is how high will rates actually go? If I'm back to a 2 percent GDP growth, 2.4 and 23, are we actually returning back to that secular stagnation, which is another way of saying, you know, slow GDP growth, less than 2 percent, with with just not a lot of gain in the economy. Back to where we were before COVID. Which goes right back to the FANG stocks, right? Exactly. The big tech secular uh, earnings growers. Well, and so that, that takes us right to the topic of elevated valuations, right? So the pressure in the market, obviously on the 60-40 with the, the interest rate environment where it is, but we've also got some pressure here because in one of the reports I read, it said, you know what, well, why not just go all in for equities? If all of a sudden the 40% part, you know, that you consider your more conservative part of your portfolio is your safe part is now not so safe. Well, well, that just means let's go for more equities, but look at where we are in valuations today. Yeah, yeah, you, you can look at it, you know, 50 different metrics on valuation, all of them are showing for just it's ever been. Right. Uh, as a consequence of the central bankers pushing money in the system. 
So that, that is something that I, I think we have to be cautious of. I wouldn't go all in, all equity. If I had a balanced portfolio approach today, uh, we're taking, our look at it is this way, is we still need fixed income. It serves its purpose. It's, it, it's a preservation of capital. It is a risk offset. If we have a risk off event and equities, it's still gonna stay uh, and hold its store value. We're just not making any money, particularly a money, uh, a real rate of return above inflation. That's the downside to it. But it serves that purpose and it does produce cash flows, et cetera. What we're having to look at in this low rate environment with rich valuations and equities is um, stepping out perhaps the studies we're doing here is in the private, uh, the private markets, not the public markets. So we can go out and buy Tesla and 10-year treasuries and all, all day long in the public markets. Uh, the last 20 years, 30 years, has seen explosive growth in private investing and in private equity, private credit, all these number of things that we see. And that's an area that we think that we can get the term we call carry, which is basically interest rate, interest payments to us while we're waiting for this market to kind of reset its valuation. Mm. And that's that's what we'll be looking to. I do see, you know, four uh, percent growth is great next year, but it's that slowing rate of growth. Yeah, we're over gonna, time. So I've got probably green light through the mid part of next year, and then we're going to be addressing as we go from four to two in the second half of the year. Mm-hmm. And with the equity valuation so high, you can argue that it's pulled forward some returns from next year from the stock market. So we're looking at a year, and, and I, I want everyone, you know, earlier we, this year we uh, we had a uh, podcast from January, Contain Your Enthusiasm. We were so excited about the year. You know, hey, that's worked out well, right? But now, you know, this theme is curb your enthusiasm, right? We, we want you to be a little bit more uh, realistic about return expectations going forward. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways I'm going to probably get that is is going to these private markets where I'm capturing the the 50 to 75 million dollar revenue businesses uh, that are growing but they're not yet at the public markets uh, they just haven't got to that phase maybe they don't want to go public they yeah. want to stay privately yeah. held so that's an area where we're seeing a lot of opportunity uh, the trade-off with that is liquidity so anything that we do pair off into the private space um, these are private investments. Mm-hmm. So you put your money in it, it has to have time to incubate and before you get that return back. So there is a little liquidity lock. And that would be one reason why we would want traditional bonds and traditional stocks in that portfolio to provide the liquidity offsets and things we need. Okay. So what about certain stocks providing an inflation hedge? What are your thoughts on well, that? Because, uh, again, yeah. we're talking about 60-40. We're still, you know, we're thinking about all the ways that a traditional 60-40 is going to react to the this market as we move forward and ways that we can continue to perform and stay, what I would say, in the right risk model for a particular client's goal. So yeah. what about stocks as an inflation hedge? Well, they, they traditionally are. I mean, not necessarily when inflation first comes on the scene, everything has to adjust for that, all asset classes. But stocks that have purchasing power, uh, pricing power, which is what we've talked about, we we want price 
makers in the portfolio, not price takers. Mm -hmm. They want the ability to set their prices and have that go through. So in our portfolio, we have uh, producers in the consumer staple areas, Archer Daniel Midland and, and Bungie, that are, are in that commodity place of food commodities. Yeah. So commodity-based uh, companies, energy-based companies, there are companies that have the ability to raise their prices and we're there. Now, some of the others, uh, uh, they're a little bit more sticky. If, if I look at something like um, tech stocks in general, not not your Facebooks and Amazons that make money. I'm talking about the companies that are all on the come, the promises they're going to make money. They're fast growers, 30% growers, uh, just doing all the good in the world. Wall Street throws money at them. People like it. But those are companies whose valuations are sky rich right now. Yeah. That's the group we're worried about. Those are considered long-duration assets. They're not paying us anything today, but that expectation is in the future. Mm-hmm. Those are the stocks that will have pressure as we come into a rising rate environment. We saw that a little bit earlier this spring when we had some sell-off in tech. So that has us going back into the old smokestack economies, the old industrial, the materials, uh, those type of companies that have pricing power can raise it. You're seeing it in uh, a number of chemical stocks right now. They're able to pass those prices through. And this earnings period that just came through, which was Again, this market is being driven by earnings. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Uh, margins absolutely. are at 15% earnings growth. We would expected in the third quarter to come in at 28%. Re- growth came in at 40%. <laughs> That's so an amazing number. It is. Uh, it just keeps exploding. As long as we have this earnings growth, I think this market is is bid supported. Mm-hmm. It's when that earnings growth starts to slow with the Fed that's coming off of, of, of easy money, Mm-hmm. that that's when things start getting a little dicey. So great segue right into this question. And you've, you've lived this. I mean, you've seen the markets up and down for well over 30 years now. Knowing where we are in valuations and what you just said, what about equity bubbles? Yeah, so, you know, um, I lived through the dot-com, and, and that was there, those long-duration assets that mm-hmm. had no money. Yep. no we, exactly. And we were justifying their valuations by... Uh, it shows you how silly we can get sometimes, but we were justifying a company's valuation by how many clicks they got on their website each day. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how extreme it got. So is there some parallels in today's market with extremes and different stocks, meme stocks? And mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's all over the place. Deja vu it just rings in my head. Yeah. Uh, that's why we're trying to avoid all that right, stuff. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> We've been there. Exactly. We, see, we know how We've this been play there. ends. Been there, yeah, done yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, do you see one on the horizon then? I mean, if you well, were going to... So not, not a general bubble. And, and again, if I go back to the dot-com, um, you were... It was a technology, media, and, and telecom companies. They were the bubble. Mm-hmm. It wasn't energy. It wasn't healthcare. It wasn't financials. There were so many other places you could go value. Value stocks in general. Value managers were shutting their doors down. They were going yeah. out of business because... Wow. We were in a new paradigm, and this internet's going to make everything go-go, and we'll never see a bear market again. It was a whole different mindset. So there's shades of that that's going all around right now, and I'm I'm cautious of that. Um, So in that environment as a portfolio manager, do I chase performance, or Mm -hmm. do I take the tack that... We see things over value. We're saying, Rich, we're concerned. We're not willing to chase performance for an extra two or three percentage points. We're going to hold back. 
Yeah. So that's kind of our stance. We're being a little bit more sober-minded about the markets right. here. Right, right, Well, for our listeners out there, you know that we love, love, love to talk about this stuff. You're always welcome to give us a call. We've got all the research that you could ever want, probably mind-numbing uh, to some extent. After you hear these um, podcasts and hear me talk, I'm pretty <laughs> sure mind um, Do you have any other any other things you'd like to to throw out there about this topic today in the sixty forty portfolio? Yeah, yeah. The one thing I do want our our listeners to be aware of is that whenever these topics sixty forty whatever it may be, uh, whenever it leaps from the investment research department over into the marketing department. Mm. Um, be be a little you know cautious on it, um, and that's what's happening. Every marketing department, uh, investment fund company in in the country has addressing sixty forty right now, right. and they're all trying to push you into different assets and things of that nature. Just be a little cautious with that. You know, Wall Street is here to sell you product, <laughs> whether it works or not. Yeah, right. different story. Well, and and I'll just add my two cents. Call us. Right. Yes, call us. Call us. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a conversation, um, because sometimes what you hear out there is is not the whole story. So um, I like to to say just just give us a call. We're happy to help. Um, so thank you to all of our listeners for listening to Royal Harbor Partners Market Talk at RHP. We are passionate about planning for your financial future. We are devoted to our relationships with multi generational families for the creation of successful legacies. Through our one-on-one conversations, we can help you navigate your personal wealth management and investment journey. How different will your life look with the right advice? Call us today or visit our website, royalharborpartners.com, to start your conversation. Royal Harbor Partners is a registered investment advisor, and the opinions expressed by Royal Harbor Partners on this show are their own. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.